This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Thank you, and welcome to the show. The year was 1940. The first Captain America comic book was published and went on sale with a cover featuring the titular character punching the real-life World War II villain and Nazi leader Adolf Hitler. The first issue originally sold for 10 cents. Envisioned by editor Joe Simon and made famous by comic creator Jack Kirby, it was released by publisher Timely Comics. That's the company that would eventually become Marvel Comics. In February of 1940... Hattie McDaniel became the first African-American actor to win an Academy Award. She won the award for Best Actress in a Supporting Role for her role in the film Gone with the Wind. And the synthetic material called nylon was invented by DuPont researcher Wallace Crothers and introduced to the world in 1939 at the New York World's Fair. But it was in 1940 that nylon stockings were sold to the general public and were instantly popular, with millions of units sold right away. And here in Toronto, with the Maple Leafs in mind, Connie Smythe was making preparations for his eventual tour of duty in Europe. Now, he felt that Dick Irvin would not be strong enough to deal with the player issues while he was gone, and Smythe convinced the Montreal Canadiens to hire Irvin. Smythe then hired Hap Day as the coach. 1940 was also the year when this Burns and Allen program first aired. From Hollywood, the George Burns and Gracie Allen Show for Hormel and Spam. You should have been with me Saturday night. I went to a party at Irene Dunn's house. By the way, Bud, uh, what's Irene Dunn doing? Dunn doing? <laughs> what kind of English is that? 
What kind of English is that? Uh, I said, what's Irene done doing? You mean, what's Irene done? Gracie, isn't Irene Dunn a motion picture star? Well, yes. I saw her in My Favorite Wife. Well, that's the picture that Irene Dunn did. Dunn did? <laughs> well, that's even worse than Dunn doing. <laughs> well, George, maybe I can help you. You see, Gracie, Irene Dunn told me that... Uh, Dunn told you? <laughs> oh, what did Irene Dunn told you all, Rochester? Look, Gracie, when Irene Dunn does a picture, it doesn't mean that Irene Dunn done a picture. It means Irene Dunn did a picture. And the picture that Dunn did is what Dunn's done. Do you feel all right, Daddy? But why did you have to stop us? Senor Burns, you say una cosa muy graciosa de esta película. That's the guitar player, yes. What is it, Senor A? I saw that picture with that Irene Dunn and that Kenny Grunt. He's wonderful. Kenny Grunt? See. You mean Cary Grant? Remember in the picture when she puts her arms around him and hugged him and squeezed him? Yes. Well, Kenny Grunt? Hardy, <laughs> will you keep that South American park your carcass quiet? Okay, Poopsie. And stop with that Poopsie. That, uh, that's what the girl called me here last week, and now it's all over. Oh, George, I knew I had something to tell you. You know that sweet little girl who was up here last week? The one you promised to make your new partner on the radio. You mean Elsie Trellifast? Yeah, that's the one, Poopsie. Stop calling me Poopsie. <laughs> and I was only fooling when I promised to put her on the radio. Don't tell me that she's taking it to heart. Oh, worse than that, she's taking it to court. <laughs> she's taking it to court? Yeah, and when she told me that she was suing you for $10,000, I told her a thing or a couple. $10,000? Yes, I said to her, I said, I said, I said, Elsie, by the time you get through buying the clothes to wear in front of the jury, paying your lawyer and paying your court expenses, you'll have nothing left out of the 10000 Well, did What's she... What's the sense of it? That's right. Did she see your point? She certainly did. Oh, good. Now she's suing you for 200000 <laughs> You add left a hundred. <laughs> Two... Two hundred thousand? Oh, don't worry about it, George. A friend of mine was sued for $150,000, and he didn't pay a cent. Well, Ollie, I'd like to meet him. Well, you can talk to him tomorrow. Well, good. Visiting hours are from 2 to 4. <laughs> well, I'm uh, certainly in a lovely mess. Now I'll have to get a lawyer, and it'll probably cost me thousands of dollars. Oh, not the lawyer I hired for you. You hired a lawyer for me? Yeah, and he's very cheap. Well, how do you know he's cheap? Well, I had lunch with him today, and I had to pay my own check. <laughs> Gracie, did anybody ever tell you that you were a little imbecilic? Yes, yes. a picnic one. I see. Well, I guess he didn't mean it because I never saw him again. <laughs> Everything happens to me. A lawsuit for a hundred thousand for two hundred thousand uh, dollars. Senor Burns, uh, what? If you're looking for a good lawyer, get my uncle. He handled the Dreyfus case. The Dreyfus case? You mean Alexander Dreyfus from Devil's Island? No, the taxi Dreyfus from Coney Island. <laughs> $200,000. I wouldn't pay that Elsie Trollifast a nickel. Good for you, George. That'll help me a whole lot. How'll it help you? I'll be able to tell our listeners that both you and Spam are in the can. <laughs> well, that hit the spot. <laughs> Thanks, George. I thought so. And here I was saving my money for when I was old and decrepit. Yeah, and just when you are, look what happened. <laughs> 
This whole thing is absurd. Well, George is right. That Elsie is nothing but a gold digger, and I told her plenty, too. I, I told her that before she'd get a dime from you, George, you'd draw all your money out of the bank. Oh, that wouldn't frighten a girl like Elsie. Oh, it wouldn't, huh? It scared her so that she tied up your bank account. <laughs> tied up my bank account? Oh. Look, George passed out. Well, I can't understand it, Bud. Wouldn't you think he'd be interested in what I'm telling him? While the boss is out, the smoothies, Babs, Charlie, and Little will sing Cherry Berry Bean. Oh, Cherry Bean, oh, Cherry Bean, Cherry Bean, he waits for her each night beneath her balcony. He begs to hold her tight, but no, she won't agree. Cheery bing, she throws a rose and blows a kiss from up above. Cheery bing, cheery bing, cheery bing, they're so in love. When the moon ain't through in Napoli, there's a handsome Natalie. Every night he sings so happily. So his lady love can he In a manner so drop it some more He repeats his serenade And his heart beats so drop it some more When she raises her Venetian shade Chibby-bing, chibby-bing, Oh, oh, He waits for his night beneath the balcony Chibby-bing he begs to hold her tight. But no, she won't agree. No, she won't agree. Cheerbee Bean, she throws, she throws bones up, kiss him up above. Cheerbee Bean, Cheerbee Bean. He sings to her each night under the family light. Cheerbee Bean, he waits for her each night beneath her balcony. Cheerbee Bean, he begs to hold her tight. But no, she won't. George is still out. Artie, hold his head while I give him another spoonful of this medicine. Oh, oh. Gracie, that's extract of bitters. That's extract of bitters. That's terrible stuff. I know. Hold his head while I give him another spoonful. Oh, oh. <laughs> another spoonful. Oh, oh. Gracie, you're spilling half of that medicine on his chin. Wipe it off. I can't. It burns my fingers. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, listen, George, I've got some bad news. Oh, gee, still out, huh? Yeah, hold his head, Artie. Well, listen, listen, Elsie's sweetheart is outside, and he's a big bruiser, and I can't hold him, and he says he's going to come in here and mop up the floor with George. Shall I call for help? Oh, no, no. He and George can mop up this floor without any help. <laughs> Gee, this is awful. What do we do? Well, uh, how about you and me going to Cyril's tonight? Oh. Look, is George coming, too? No, just you and I. <laughs> Oh, 
Oh. He's coming out of his faint. Shall I tell him about Elsie's sweetheart, that big bruiser who's coming here to beat him up? No, no, not that. He'll fight again. He'll faint again. <laughs> Oh, where am I? How oh, I know. Hmm. Boy, this lawsuit has certainly left a bit of taste in my mouth. Greasy, that's Elsie's sweetheart. Hey, Salman, that's probably my lawyer. Let him in. Mr. Burns, before I open the door, do your insurance policies carry double indemnity in case of death by accident? Well, yes. You are a very lucky man, weren't you? <laughs> Will you let my lawyer in? Well, you asked for it. Who's George Burns? Uh-oh, here comes Malicious. <laughs> I'm George Burns. Oh, so you're George Burns. That's so right. what about you and Elsie Trallifan? Oh, well, he, he doesn't know her. He's never heard of her, have you, George? Certainly I know Elsie oh. Trallifan. I know her very well. And, mister, if you're going to help me out of this legal jam, I might as well tell you the truth. Good. I'll give it to you straight in the shoulder. Oh, vice versa. <laughs> Just how well did you know Elsie Trellefast? Well, I'm not a man who likes to boast, but on the other hand, this is no time to hold anything back. Calling Dr. Kildare. Calling Dr. Kildare. <laughs> uh, one night about a week ago, I was taking her home in a taxi, and I put my arm around her. Like this? Yeah, but I held her a little tighter. You mean like this? Oh, wait a minute. Not that tight. <laughs> oh, that was quite a crush. Yeah, it couldn't have killed me. And after I took Elsie home, we were standing in the hallway. Senor Burns? Standing in the hallway with Elsie, you see. Senor Burns? And uh, we were both in the hallway. Hey, Popsy! <laughs> what is it, Senor Lee? Uh, can I have your tooth powder after you get your teeth knocked out? <laughs> I'm not going to get my teeth knocked out. I know something that you don't know. <laughs> Marty, will you keep that stale character quiet? So we were standing in the hallway, and I put my lips against Elsie's, and she... George, George, shall I play my number now? What, the, what number? Get out of town before it's too late. Artie, you're not playing that number. No, no, this is the number you're playing, Artie. Let me get at the piano. When April showers will come your way, be careful, Pepsi, of what you say. We're trying to tell you, take it on the lamb. This fellow isn't what you think he is. If you want to continue for Sam, just keep your mouth shut. Oh, quiet, quiet. Anyway, mister, I was standing in the hallway with Elsie, and she threw her arms around me. Stop, stop, man. Stop slamming the door. You know I hate bangs. You hate bangs? Then keep your mouth shut. You've said enough. Oh, quiet, quiet. Yeah, what's going on? This guy behind you is pretty tough. You'll be looking up at daisies that you won't be able to smell. Wah, 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 wah. Whenever Elsie's boyfriend comes. Aloha. Good evening, Forest Lawn. Look, 
What's going on here? Here I am worrying about $200,000 lawsuit and everybody singing. Say, did Elsie ever happen to mention her boyfriend? Yeah, I heard her say something. She's going around with some dope or something. Dope? Hold your hats, boys. Here it comes. You did say dope, didn't you? Yeah, some big dope or something. Sound man, why are you opening the door? There's nobody going out. That's what you think. <laughs> hey, Mr. Burns, I think we can talk this over better in the alley. Yeah, it's too noisy in here. Come on, let's go. Mr. George, George, don't what? done what Irene Dunn done. He'll be done. What Irene Dunn done? What's that? Uh, Irene Dunn told me it's Elsie's boyfriend. What? Irene Dunn? Who's afraid of Elsie's boyfriend? Why, with one hand, I can crumple him to pieces. I'm Elsie's boyfriend. And with the other hand, I can... Oh... <laughs> What happened? Oh, George is saying it. Artie, hold his head while I give him some more medicine. Yeah, when he comes to... When he comes to, tell him that he's not only being sued for $200,000 for breach of contract, but I'm suing him for $300,000 for alienation of affection. Goodbye, everybody. And goodbye, poopsie. Well, what are we going to do with George? He fainted again. Can't anybody do something? I can do something. We'll do it. I'll be delightful. Yo tengo buena suerte. Con todos los jueguitos, pero lo que es mi fuerte es el juego de amorcitos. Hay una muchachita quien yo quiero conquistar. Les apuesto lo que quieran, que la voy a ganar. Se llama nada, ella es mi nada. Mi nada no hace nada más que amar. Yo quiero a nada, no hago nada. Más que de mi nada soñar Cuando beso a mi nada Nada beso al parecer Pero nada tiene todo Para hacerme arder Yo quiero a nada No hace nada Nada más que Hold his head. I'll give him another spoonful. Boop, boop. <laughs> Gracie, is this medicine good for fainting? Oh, it's marvelous for fainting. How do you know? Well, every time I give my daddy a spoonful, he faints. <laughs> oh, oh. What happened? Who am I? George Birds. Where am I? George Bird. Oh, who types these things, anyway? <laughs> where, where am I? On the spam program. What's, what's spam? What's spam? Boy, you must be groggy if you don't remember what Spam is. Why, George, Spam is what you have fried with eggs for breakfast. Spam is what you have for lunch, sliced cold in sandwiches. Spam is what you have baked whole for dinner. Oh, yes, but I remember now. And you ask me what's Spam. Why, George, you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, I'm a bad boy, yes. <laughs> Why, everybody knows that Spam is tender, delicious meat, all ready to eat as it comes from the can. All right, but I'm sorry. Easy to serve, economical to use... Spam is the reason housewives are spending less time in the kitchen and still giving their families good food on the dot. I apologize, but Spam is wonderful. Well, it's thanks, wonderful. George. Yes, I didn't mean it, but oh. I'm so sorry. Okay, sit down. <laughs> now, ladies, here's a grand suggestion for dinner tomorrow night. Open a can of Spam, S-P-A-M. As I said before, it's all ready to eat, so just slice Spam and serve with tomatoes, corn on the cob, a simple dessert, and your favorite beverage. You'll have nothing but compliments from the whole gang because the meaty flavor, the grand taste of Spam satisfies even the huskiest appetite. And when you try the other recipes on the label, you'll discover Spam has dozens of uses, cold or hot. So remember, you'll spend a lot of time out of the kitchen when you keep Spam on your pantry shelf. <laughs> 
It needs no refrigeration. Get a supply when you shop tomorrow. Just say to your food dealer, I want Spam. I want Spam. Slice it, dice it, fry it, bake it, cold or hot, Spam hits the spot. Oh, now I remember. Elsie Trallifast's boyfriend. What happened to him? He's gone. I wish that lawyer would come. Being sued for $200,000. Why, if I lose that case, it'll be like taking the shirt off my back. Well, here comes Striptease Burns now. <laughs> Striptease Burns? Yeah, because her boyfriend is suing you for $300,000. $300,000? Oh. Artie, hold his head. Oh, oh. <laughs> Say, George, George looks flushed. Has anybody got a thermometer? Uh, here's one, Senor Bug. I got it off the wall. That's a barometer, not a thermometer. In his condition, he'll know the difference. <laughs> oh, give it to me, bud. Open his mouth, Artie. Oh, my, this is awful. Well, what's wrong with George? What does it say? He's partly cloudy in the southern region. <laughs>
hold his head. Oh. Bud, <laughs> take the barometer out of George's mouth. Oh, here it is. And now put his teeth back in. <laughs> now give him another spoonful. Gracie, that's the 30th spoonful you've given him. It hasn't done him any good. I know. Well, then why are you making him finish all that terrible medicine? I want to get my nickel back in the bottle. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, where is he? Who? The lawyer. He's supposed to be here. Oh, my head. Oh, what's the matter, George? I don't feel well. I've got spots in front of my eyes. Oh, then that stuff I gave you is a fake. A fake? Yeah, look what it says here in the bottle. Good for removing spots. <laughs> Gracie, that's Carbona. Uh, Senor Burns? Yes, what is it, Senor Lee? Uh, once I had a date with Brenda and Carbona. <laughs> Brenda and Carbona? See? Carbona makes you sick. Brenda is a doll? Hardy, <laughs> right, will you send that broken down guitar player back to local 802? Oh, this must be him. Come in. Uh, Mr. Burns? Yes? My name is Jules Covey, attorney at law. I'm calling with reference to the L.C. Talifas case. Well, I'm glad you're here, Mr. Colby, as I'd like to explain the whole thing to you. Well, that's what attorneys are for, Mr. Burns. Well, now, to begin with, I did take Elsie Talifas out a few times. She was young and pretty, and after all, I'm only human. George, don't say anything you can't prove. <laughs> I've got that down, Mr. Burns. Well... Anyway, the first night I, I met her, we drove out to the beach, and the radio was playing, and I had the pot of gold on. Is that prettier than a derby? <laughs> Will you be quiet? Go ahead, Mr. Burns. I'm writing it down. So we were driving along, and I kept telling her how pretty she was and how smart she was, and pretty soon we came to a lonely spot, and I ran out of compliments. Well, that's a new one. Most fellows run out of gas. <laughs> Gracie, for your information, there are lots of couples who don't neck in park cars. Yeah, the woods are full of them. <laughs> All right, so maybe I kissed her a few times. But please, Gracie, it's very important that the lawyer hears my story. I've got that down, Mr. Burns. Of course, that wouldn't look very good to a jury, so when we, we get to court, Mr. Colby, let's cut out the kissing. You mean you and he'll just hold hands? <laughs> Gracie, will you keep still? Go ahead, Mr. Burns. I've got that down. Well, you can tell the jury that I'm a man of very fine character. George, Mr. Covey just met you. He doesn't even know you. Well, if he doesn't know, George, then he can say it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, this cast is always kidding me like this, Mr. Covey. But uh, they'll be glad to be character witnesses for me, won't you, boys? Oh, you bet your life we will, George. I'll be glad to stand up in court and tell him what a wonderful guy you are. Oh, thanks, but uh, how much does it pay? You know, now you've got me so confused, I don't know which way to turn. Oh, a Los Angeles driver, huh? Uh, a lot of fine friends. Senor Burns? What is it, Senor Lee? For 50 cents, I will tell the jury that you are a perfect gentleman. 50 cents, huh? Okay. I won't pay it. All right, so I'll say you're good for nothing. You got that down, Mr. Colby? Poor George, he started out looking for a character witness, and look what happened. No witness? No character. <laughs> oh, keep still. Anyway, Mr. Colby, I met this Elsie Trailer fast in a restaurant, and you never saw anybody eat so much in your life. She ordered a double porterhouse steak, and in two seconds, she looked up at me, and what do you think she said? I've got that down, Mr. Burns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
that was exactly what she said. You see, it really was a lot of innocent fun. Oh, so that's what happened. Well, not exactly. <laughs> that's what I want you to tell the jury. If the opposing side knew the real facts, I wouldn't have a leg to stand on. You see, between you and me, I did promise to put Elsie Trallifass on the radio. <laughs> I see what you mean, Mr. Burns. And believe me, I can't possibly lose this case. Uh, uh, good day. Good day. Now, there's a great lawyer. See, Gracie? He says he can't lose. Oh, that's what he says. I'll bet your lawyer will beat him. <laughs> My lawyer? My lawyer? Yes. Who was that? Oh, Trellifax's lawyer. Elsie Trellifax. Oh. Artie, hold his head. <laughs> Before George and Gracie return to say goodnight, they want me to tell you that Spam is a mighty good mealtime hint for your household tomorrow and every day. Ask for Spam, S-P-A-M, when you shop tomorrow and try the easy recipes on the label. Well, thanks, bud. Well, Gracie, say goodnight. Oh, goodnight. And by the way, George, here's some good news. You know, it didn't do Elsie Trellifast any good to tie up your money. Swell, Gracie, why? Well, I found out that your bank just failed. Oh. Oh, Artie, hold his head. Well... Will George come to by next week? Will he win the case? Will he have to pay $100,000? What will happen? Who cares? Good night. <laughs> Listen again next Monday night, same time, same station, for George Burns and Gracie Allen, with Artie Shaw and his orchestra and the smoothies, brought to you by Hormel and Spam. Until then, this is Bud Heaston reminding you to remember that cold or hot, Spam hits the spot. Stay tuned for Boston Blackie next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 at 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for Boston Blackie, Private Eye. What's the matter with your appetite? Nothing's the matter with my appetite, Mom. Ask me what's the matter with the stuff you've cooked. If you don't like what Mom cooked, don't eat it. Don't make any remarks about it either. Why don't you shut up? Donald, don't talk that way to your brother. Kenneth isn't making any trouble. He isn't making any pleasant around here either. Maybe you'd better leave the table, Donald. I might as well. Don't let him upset you, Ma. He's just in one of his moods this morning. He's always in one of his moods. Uh... I don't know why I put up with you two. You don't know why you put up with us. Well, I like that. I don't know how we put up with you. You refuse to work. You won't help me around the house. You won't do a thing ever. You let your brother support you and me wait on you. It's your... a good setup, isn't it, Mother? But you want me to move out and do things my way. Maybe that wouldn't be as bad as I've always imagined. Maybe I ought to let you. Huh. You won't. You'll do anything to keep me out of trouble. 
By the way, I need $10 for this afternoon. I won't give it to you. All right, then. I'll better give it to him more. I'll just go out and try and steal it if you don't. Thanks, brother. Sometimes you're almost a good guy. You ought to be ashamed to take money from me, Donald. It's Kenneth's money. He works for it, and all you do is spend it. That's the way it's supposed to be. He makes it, I spend it. Where's the $10, Ma? I'll get it for you. But believe me, this is going to stop one of these days. When it stops, I'll start. That's simple, isn't it? Keep me happy, I keep out of trouble. May I ought to let you go. You'll end up in just one place, the electric chair. And maybe that's a good idea. And now, on to Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friend. I'm leaving now, Mr. Williams. Is there anything you want me to do? Uh, no, Kenneth. I think you've seen enough of the office for today. <laughs> uh, you put everything in the safe, didn't you? Uh, yes, sir. Well, then, I guess that's all. I guess that's all, Kenneth. See you in the morning. Good night. Good night. Night, Miss Holloway. Oh, good night, Kenneth. There's a fine boy, Miss Holloway. Hard worker. He'll go places someday. Mm, he's all right, but have you ever met his brother? Once. That was enough. Mm. How two brothers can be so different. Oh, it stopped raining, hasn't it? Yes, it stopped about a half hour ago. That's good. I hate to go home in the rain. Well, we might as well call it a day ourselves, Miss Holloway. Say, what's Kenneth using for a head this afternoon? He didn't put everything in the safe. Look at those ledgers on the table. Why, that's funny. <laughs> Kenneth never forgets those ledgers. Well, yeah, he's entitled to slip up once, Miss Holloway. <laughs> I'll put them away. Would you hand them to me? Yes, yes, of course. Thank you. Hey, Kenneth really must have something on his mind. He left this office supply tray out of the cabinet. Well, I'll put it back. Uh, never mind, I'll Oh, go. I've got it. What? Oh, oh, Mr. Williams, I'm <laughs> oh, so sorry. Oh, my fault. Always let a woman have her way, I always say. Guess I should have let you carry it. Oh, well, I'll pick up the stuff that's spilled. Oh, don't bother, Miss Holloway. Nothing but paper clips, thumbtacks, and a couple of pencils. Leave them for the cleaning woman. And for Pete's sake, don't look so conscience-stricken. It wasn't your fault. Well, all right, I won't look like that anymore, but i better write a note for the woman who cleans telling her that... Uh, come in. Oh, Mr. Williams, he has a gun. Good heavens, man, no. Don't be a fool. Yeah, who was it? It's your mother, Donald. I want to clean up your room. Okay, come on in, clean it. Who's stopping you? Why didn't you do it today while I was out? I'd like to be along the evening. I like to spend my evenings doing something besides housework, too, Donald, but there's too much to do around here. Not for me, there isn't. But I like it that way. Oh, Donald, your dress is a mess. Can't you ever put anything away? Why should I? It's too much bother. Everything's too much bother to you, isn't it? Did you go to see Harry Brown as you promised? Uh, I saw the bum this afternoon. I went way across town to see him. All he wanted was to give me a job at his gas station. A job wouldn't hurt you, Donald, and Mr. Brown's company pays well. So what? You didn't take the job, did you? <laughs> Are you kidding, Ma? Oh, Donald, you're impossible. Look at these dresser drawers. No wonder your clothes are always in such a mess. Suppose one is worse than the other. Hey, 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 keep out of that drawer, Mother. I'm going to clean this room of yours inside. I told you to stay out of there. 
MacDonald. Where did you get all this money? Money? There's no money in that drawer. There's no... Wow. Hey, the... Hey, that must be $25,000. You didn't know it was in here, did you? Well, no, Ma, no. I, uh, I took a shirt at Cairns. I didn't want you to see it. A gun. There's a gun in here. So you have a gun, too. Ma, that money isn't mine. That gun isn't mine. The money isn't yours because you stole it. But the gun is, and you got this money by using it. It's been fired recently. I can tell by the smell of it. Put up your hands, Donald. Put that gun away, Mom. Warning you. I'm warning you, Donald Carver. You do as I say, or when the police get here, they'll have to take you to the morgue. Hello. Hello, Blackie. This is Mary. Oh, hello, Mary. You sound excited. What's the matter? Well, did you hear what was on the radio a minute ago? No, I didn't. Mine isn't on. Well, Inspector Faraday just solved a robbery and a murder in one hour and 30 minutes. And guess who was arrested? Who? <laughs> Donald Carver. Donald Carver? Who's he? Well, Blackie, don't you remember the woman who came to see you about a year ago? The woman with the son who needed a talking to? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Well, you're talking to him didn't take, huh? <laughs> well, it took for a year and then wore off. Apparently, there was a robbery and murder early this evening, and Carver's mother found some of the stolen money and the murder gun in her son's dresser drawer and phoned the police. His own mother turned him in, huh? Mm-hmm. Gee, must have been a pretty tough thing for her to do. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. I just remembered something else about Mrs. Carver. Huh? She said if I didn't straighten Donald out... She'd do something drastic to get rid of him. Yes, yes, that's right, she did. Mary, it's not like a killer to keep a murder gun in his dresser drawer. It can be found too easily. Well, this whole case was over in 90 minutes. I think the case has just begun, Mary. Who was killed and where? Uh, a man named Williams and his secretary, Miss Holloway. It happened in Mr. Williams' office where Donald's brother Kenneth works. Uh, that's 18 Oval Square. 18 Oval Square, huh? Uh-huh. Well, I'm going to Oval Square right now. And I'll bet before long I have Faraday running around in circles. While strolling through the park one day in the middle... Very nice voice you have there. Back up there, young fellow. You'll get your feet wet. When I scrub floors, I scrub them and everything on them. In the merry, merry month of... Uh, I'm sorry to bother you while you're working, but I'm Boston Blackie. A murder was committed in this room this evening, I understand. Mighty good understanding you've got. Month of May, I... Uh, how long has it been since the police left? Oh, about an hour. Take a look around. You ever see such a mess? There must have been some fight here before the killings. Taken by surprise uh, by... Apparently, uh, was that stuff on the floor there when you came in? Yep, pair of roguish eyes. Paper clips and thumbtacks and papers and all? Yep. Cops figured out they got knocked on the floor during the struggle. I don't know yet. Well, thanks for letting me interrupt your work. I'll be seeing you in the merry, merry month of May. Blackie, are you sure this is Mrs. Carver's house? I'm positive. Well, let's go in. All right. I'm with you. Careful, Mary. It's muddy. Oh, it was an awful rain this afternoon. We had an awful mess as we walked to Mrs. Carver's house. I'll say. 
You can tell a lot of people have been here. A lot of policemen, I know that. <laughs> I'll bet that's Faraday's print right there, the big flat one. <laughs> <laughs> that one there is probably Mrs. Carvis. And Mary. Huh? Look at those prints going around to the side of the house, the path that leads to the kitchen. Oh, yeah. There's an unusual design in one of the heels. See? A round indentation in the mud. Yeah, I see it. But I haven't been interested in mud since I stopped making mud pies. Come on, let's go in and see Mrs. Carver. Well, that is what we came down here to do, isn't it? You go out there. What? Get away from here. Wherever Blackie goes, there's trouble. I said get out of here. Blackie, he's holding a shotgun. I know, and he's holding us up from going in, too. Hey, look, you, uh, we want to see Mrs. Carver. You heard me say to get off these premises, didn't you? Well, get them fast. Mom isn't seeing anybody. Now, get out of here before I count three, or I'll... What's the trouble? That's okay, Put down that gun. Who is it out there? It's me, Mrs. Carver, Boston Blackie, and my friend, Miss Wesley. Oh, Blackie, come in. Please come in. Kenneth didn't know you. Well, Mom says to come in. What are you waiting for? Never saw such a contradictory young man. Angry because we came here, and now he's angry because we won't come in. I don't care how angry he got, as long as that shotgun kept cool. (laughs) Hello, Mrs. Carver. Hello. Hope you don't mind a couple of visitors. Come in, Blackie. You too, Miss Wesley. Kenneth, put away that shotgun. Okay, Mom. Sorry about the gun, Blackie. Didn't know it was you. I guess you're here because of my brother. Yes, we are. Mrs. Carver, it must have been very difficult for you to turn in your own son. It was, Blackie. But not so difficult to find some of the stolen money in the murder gun, huh? It was in his dresser drawer. I was cleaning. That late in the evening? I had a lot of washing to do during the day. You know, Mrs. Carver, I remember a remark you made about a year ago concerning Donald and his antics. You said you might not be able to stand them or him much longer. Are you hinting that Mark killed those people and is trying to blame Donald? Why don't you not blow him? You mean you want to try? Why else? Blackie, please, now don't hit him. Whether or not he gets hit is up to him, Mary. Get out of here, Blackie. Get out before I throw you out. Blackie, please, now let's not have any trouble. Please, Blackie. Wait a minute. Uh, what time did you come home tonight, Kenneth? At a quarter to six. At exactly a quarter to six? Yes. I left the office at 5.30, and when I leave then, I'm always home by a quarter to six. How do you know it was exactly a quarter of six? I looked at the clock just as I came in. That's one way of telling, isn't it? Yes, I suppose so. The clock was right. Where is it? I want to check the clock. In the kitchen, right above the stove, Blackie. Mm-hmm. I use it to tell how long a roast has been cooking. You know, you've got to cook the roast. Wait a minute, Bob, the... please. All right. Blackie, a little while ago, I told you to get out of here. What are you waiting for? Nothing now, Kenneth. I just want to know all the facts, that's all. Well, good night. Night. Mary. Mary, where are you? I'm out here waiting for you, Blackie. Oh. Well, seems to me the murder case is pretty much solved. Faraday has arrested Donald Carver, and you've found nothing to indicate that Donald didn't kill Kenneth's boss and the secretary. You know, Mary, I'd like to agree with you. It makes things so much easier for the two of us. <laughs> Only you've never been so completely wrong in all your life. <laughs> Carver has two sons, Donald and Kenneth. Son Donald is a ne'er-do-well whose demand for money keeps the family broke. Shortly after son Kenneth leaves his office, his boss and boss's secretary are both shot and killed by a man who then robs the safe. Part of the stolen money is then found by Mrs. Carver in her son Donald's dresser. A recently used pistol is found there, too. So Donald is arrested. 
Boston Blackie, however, feels that Donald has been framed, but he can't prove it. As we return to our story, Blackie is in Inspector Faraday's office seeking further facts. Blackie, you have no more right in this case than I do in the Ladies' Aid Society. You have no right in this case either, Faraday. No right answers. Oh, I suppose you do. Well, so far, I'm only guessing at things, but I've had pretty good luck with my guesses. When were Williams and the secretary killed? None of your business. 5.30. Well, at 5.30, where was Donald Carver? He says he was with a man named Harry Brown. Have you checked? Sure, but Brown left town at 6.30. Well, we should try. I didn't have to. The gun found in Donald's dresser was the murder gun. So what? The money found in his dresser was part of the money stolen from the Williams Company safe. Where's the rest of it? How do I know? Maybe he spent it. Donald Carver has a bad reputation. And you're going to have a worse one if you don't let him go. I've already let him go. What? I had to, in spite of the evidence against him. Harry Brown called in from out of town, and he swears that Donald Carver was with him from five to six. And Brown's office is 50 blocks from where the murder took place. Well, with Donald Carver free, who are you going to get to take his place? No one. I still think Donald Carver is guilty. With a perfect alibi? I'm going to prove his alibi isn't so perfect. Don't bet. I could tell you where you'll find your killer, though. He could tell me, he says. All right, tell me. Well, if I were you, I'd invite me to go back to the Carver house. I think it would be a good idea if we had a good talk with Mrs. Carver. Well, what are you sitting there looking at me for? The police let me go. They think I'm innocent. Is my own brother going to convict me? Why don't you get out of here, Don? Want to try to make me? Yeah. You know, kid, I have an idea I was framed. I got a very good idea who did it, too. Maybe you and Mom did this thing together. You never were much good, Donald, but just how low can you get? I ought to Why knock every... try, Mama's boy, scared? Not of you, and this will prove it, too. So you do have a little blood in your head, kid. Well, I'm going to see just how much and what color it is. That's what you get. That's what I was waiting for. I'll live. Get that guy out of here or he won't. I'll take care of your brother. Go me, Faraday. I'll let you all have it to go. Let him go, Faraday. Okay. I've owed him a workout for a year. Where's your mother, tough guy? Who knows? Where is she, Kenneth? I don't know. She left here right after you and Miss Wesley did. I don't know when she's coming back or where she went. I think maybe you had the right idea about talking to Mrs. Carver, Blackie. I've got another idea. Only this one's a question. Kenneth, I went up to your office after the murders. The cleaning woman showed me a lot of office supplies. Uh, thumbtacks, paperclips, pencils, the usual stuff. Only they were on the floor. What am I expected to know about that? Well, I thought maybe it would spill during the day. An accident or something, was it? Not while I was there. Blackie, I don't know what you're trying to prove. All I know is you haven't done it. Now, let's get out of here. I'm going to send out an alarm for Mrs. Carver. When we pick her up, this case will be over. From the very beginning, this case has been over, Faraday. Over your head. <laughs> Trouble, Blackie. Looks like I found it. Why the gun, Mrs. Carver? I don't want to hurt you, Blackie. But if you don't stay away from my boys and me, I'll kill you. 
I don't know who killed those people, but I don't want you to find out. Mrs. Carver, be smart and put down that gun. Why should I? Because I think you trust me. After you put down the gun, you're going to do one other thing. What is that? Call your sons, both of them. They're at home. And you're going to tell them to meet you in Inspector Faraday's office. Am I? Yes. And do you know what you're going to do in Faraday's office? What? You're going to confess that you robbed and murdered Williams and his secretary and tried to blame it on your son, Donald. Don't be funny, Blackie. Mrs. Carver, your guilty son has succeeded in outsmarting the police so far. But you really want him caught. I know that. And I promise you I'll prove a case against him. So, won't you help me do it quickly and get it over with? I shot and killed Mr. Williams and his secretary, Miss Holloway, and robbed the safe. Then I put part of the uh, money... A little in... more slowly, Mrs. Carver. This is being typed as you talk. I'm sorry. Are you even with her, Casey? Uh, yes. All right, Mrs. Carver, go on. Mother, why did you let them talk you into this? You know you're not telling the truth. I know what I'm doing, Kenneth. And now I know what you try to do to me. I'm sorry, Donald. Go on, Mrs. Carver. I know this isn't pleasant for you, so let's get it over with. Uh, finish your statement, Mrs. Carver. Never mind, Blackie. All right. Then I put the money and the gun I used in my son Donald's dresser drawer. I did this so he would be sent to the electric chair, and my son Kenneth and I could live in peace again. Donald made our lives miserable. I think that's all I care to say just now. I think you've said enough, too, Mrs. Carver. Let's have it, Casey. Here you are, Now you'll just sign this, Mrs. Carver, and we'll let you rest. Thank you. Where do I sign? Uh, there, just after the word signed. Blackie, you and Casey uh, sign as witnesses, will you? Yes, with pleasure, Faraday. No, 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 you can't do it. Now, wait a minute, Mom. Don't sign that. I won't let you. I'll admit it. I did it. No, no, darling. Don't try to No, no, me. no, Mom. Not protecting you. I'm just telling the truth. Wait a minute. What is this? This is what I've been waiting for, Faraday. Donald, I was hoping you'd confess. You just couldn't see your mother go to the electric chair, could you? No, not for something she didn't do. Let her go, Faraday. I'm the guy you want. Ma, tell me the truth. Tell me a lie. I'm sorry, Donald, but my confession stands. No, it doesn't. It's a lie. I know you hate me and I don't blame you, but you're not going to jail for something I did. I killed those two people. I'll take over from here, Mrs. Carver. <laughs> Faraday, on my way back down here, I stopped and bought a large box of thumbtacks. Mind if I spill them on the floor? Blanky, this is no time for fooling around. You've messed things up enough. What's the idea of the tax? Well, pardon the pun, but it may tax your mentality to get the idea. Now... But if some people can sleep on a bed of nails and prove something, I can walk across four of tacks and prove something. Now, uh, I want you to watch this, will you? What are you trying to do, Blackie? Trying to pick up a tack and pick out a killer. Oh, stop wasting my time. Mrs. Carver just confessed to the crime. Now Donald Carver has confessed. I thought you had this whole thing figured out. I do, Faraday. And I did when I came in. Uh, now, look at the bottom of my shoe. <laughs> there, what do you see? Some tacks. So what? Now look at the bottom of Kenneth Carver's shoes, and you'll see so what. I had nuts. He didn't walk across these tacks. No. But there were tacks on the floor of the Williams office, weren't there? Yeah, but what is that? Uh, let's see one of your shoes, Carver. What for? Just let's see one of them. Okay, okay. There you are. And there you are, Faraday. A large-headed thumbtack. Look closely, and you'll find it's the same kind you found on the floor of the murder room. A guy can pick up a thumbtack anywhere. Not the kind you have in the heel of that shoe of yours, Kenneth. 
And I have further proof you murdered your boss and tried to pin the crime on your brother Donald. Oh, you don't have any proof. If he didn't do it, Ma did. She wanted him sent to the chair. If she did, she picked a very poor time to frame him. Your mother knew your brother had an appointment with Harry Bram, 50 blocks from your office. Mrs. Carver, you knew your son Donald was nowhere near the Williams office, didn't you? Yes. But you didn't know it, did you, Kenneth? So I didn't know it. So what? What does that prove? Any more than the fact that I have a thumbtack in the heel of my shoe. That proves plenty, that thumbtack, believe me. Kenneth, you didn't leave the building the night of the murders. You came back, shot your boss and his secretary, and stepped on one of the thumbtacks that were on the floor. How they got there, I don't know. Maybe there was a fight, or they were dropped accidentally. Wait a minute, Blackie. Don't get me all mixed up. Suppose this Kenneth guy picked up the thumbtack on the street, any place at all. Just because it's in his heel doesn't mean he was in the office. Oh, but it does. You see, it had been raining when he got home, and Kenneth, good son that he is, wouldn't go in the front door and muddy up the living room. He went in through the kitchen. Remember, Mrs. Carver? He told me he looked at the clock, and you told me it was in the kitchen. He did Remember? come in through the kitchen that evening. Uh-huh, sure. And the footprints leading to the kitchen had a small, round indentation in the heel. I noticed it when I came to the house with Mary. I could have accused Kenneth then, but I wanted the whole story first. Now I know he kept most of the money and put the rest of the money and the gun in Donald's dresser. He tried to frame me, did he? I'll tear that guy up. But don't bother, Donald. I've already done that to his alibi. Faraday will take it from there. If a buddy meet a buddy... Better pull your shoes back, young fella. You'll get them soaked. Well, I didn't want to interrupt your song by telling you I was here. I heard you come in and knew who you were without having to look at your face. I can tell by your shoes. You're the young fella, Boston Blackie, who came around asking questions the night of the murder. Coming through the right. Well, I'm the same person, all right. I came back to thank you for your help. Help? I didn't do nothing to help. If a buddy kiss a buddy... You did quite some help, though. You practically made that brother Kenneth confess. I was reading about it in the papers. Well, it was the supposed to be bad brother Donald that set up the whole thing, you know. Should the buddy cry, every lassie has her let... Say, one thing I never understood. Why did that woman, Mrs. Carver, come to your place with a gun? Well, she came there because she knew it was Kenneth that did the killing. And she didn't want me to try to prove it. When I told her I could prove it, with or without her help, she agreed to my plan. She found Kenneth wasn't such a good son when he was willing to stand by and see her confess. Mm, she sure did. None they have, say I. Say, what happened to Donald? Well, he got a job in a gas station, and according to Mrs. Carver, he kind of likes the idea of honest work. Never hurt nobody. And all the lads, they smile at me when a coming through the
Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Life of Riley, followed by Voyage of the Scarlet Queen. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.